0: Coming up on this week's show, Sylvia Violet is here, and she's going to be talking about the latest in her Love and Care series. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations,
1: and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 165 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and festive husband, Will Knauss. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable group of supporters on Patreon. A big thanks this week to Kim, Thomas, Mia, and Christine for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them in just a few moments.
0: Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the show. We hope you had a fantastic week and had the opportunity to read lots of amazing books. I know we did. Yes, we did. We wrote a shocking <laughs> amount of books this week, <laughs> which we will be talking about in just a moment.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, so let's kick it off. Yeah. First and most important, perhaps, we should wish all of our uh, Jewish listeners a very happy Hanukkah. We hope you have a wonderful week uh, celebrating and wish you all the merriest there. So we're, be- we're back live on Facebook this week. We mentioned last week in the show that we've been actually running a little experiment by recording these episodes live on Facebook so people can get kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the podcast. Uh, we're doing it again, and we'll be doing it for the foreseeable future. How do the good people join us on Facebook? All you have to do is go to the Big Gay Fiction
0: Podcast Facebook page and either like or follow it. And then um, check your settings uh, and make sure that, however it's working at the moment, that uh, Facebook lets you know when we are live.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know how they do that currently, There's but a, a little <laughs> notification box. On yes. The, click, uh, yes, the box That's in it. the uh, in yes. the header of our Facebook page where you can click to be notified of our posts and, in particular, our Facebook lives. Uh, which we, that way you'll know when we start because we tend to start. Somewhere between 7.30 and 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and that specific time, so that would be somewhere between 10.30 and 11 for those of you on the East Coast. And those of you around the world, I will let you figure out your time zone situation, because <laughs> the math will baffle me. So if you are up and
0: bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on Sunday morning, please feel free to join us on Facebook Live. Um, We'll uh, be sure and try our very best to say hi and answer any questions that you might have. Um, Quick caveat, we don't feel that the live episodes um, are meant to replace the regular podcast. True. Um, This is just sort of like fun for super fans uh, to see what goes on behind the scenes. Um, What we're essentially doing is we are... Uh, recording our host wraparound segments um the uh, audio uh, well, there there you go live yay um the <laughs> author that was the word I was looking yeah, for the author interviews are actually inserted in post-production uh, in during the uh, complete episode so be sure uh, if you do hang out and watch the live video be sure and check out the regular episode as well yeah. once again we are doing it every sunday morning uh, if you'd like to hang out with us please feel free to do us do so on the big a fiction
1: podcast facebook page yes uh, there was a little sad news that came out uh, this week although uh, Uh, Hopefully, it is only sad for the moment. Um, Lisa, who is one of our contributors from the Novel Approach, announced uh, that she was going to be temporarily closing down the Novel Approach as of December 31st, uh, with a few other reviews kind of rolling into January uh, for some books that were already in the queue. Uh, Novel Approach has been around for seven years now, uh, but Lisa. Feels that it's time to take a little break and recharge your batteries and, you know, do the all-important thing of reading a book. Yep. Uh, which is so, you know, that's kind of the central thing that, uh, that the Novel Approach likes to do. Uh, she will continue. We're very happy to say that she's going to continue to be a contributor on our show to keep putting out her book recommendations here, uh, even while her uh, website is on hiatus. And very happy to hear that because uh, I know she's given me so many good books. Uh, over the time that she's been a contributor here and also uh, from the Novel Approach in general. And I will say as an author, uh, the Novel Approach uh, has been such a big support uh, for me getting things out uh, into the world. Just this past week, they hosted me on release day for uh, the third Codename Winger book, which was uh, I was very happy to be with them on release day. So we wish Lisa all the best as she uh, has this hiatus. We hope the Novel Approach comes back as soon as she's ready for it too, and are very happy that she's continuing with us for now. Uh, And you could see her uh, so long for now post on the Novel Approach, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes page. Yes. Now, as you mentioned, uh, this past week was release week for a certain book. Do you want to fill us in on how that went? Yes. Audio Assault, which is the third book in the Codename Winger series, which is a young adult cyber thriller spy series uh, released on this past Tuesday. Uh, the blog tour went on most of the week, uh, wrapping up on Friday over at the Harmony, Inc. Press blog. Uh, I was pleased with how it all rolled out. Um, as much as I could tell with sales, they seem to have gone uh, fairly well so far uh, for a third book in a series. Uh, the thing that is still happening is through December 4th, through the end of the day, Tuesday, December 4th, so if you're catching this episode early in the week, you can still enter the giveaway that I've got for a free copy of Audio Assault, either an ebook or there's a grand prize uh, happening to win an autographed copy of that in paperback. You can go to the link that I've put to jeffadamswrites.com in the show notes page. It'll take you to the information about where the blog tour was, as well as show you the Rafflecopter. It's kind of a treasure hunt that I've set up because each each stop of the tour has a different question associated with it so you can get entries into the raffle copter for the giveaway. So you've still got a couple days to do that if you would like to do so. I also went a little bit bonkers this week. <laughs> as you well know, uh, part of the end of the blog tour when I was at the Harmony Inc. side, and I talked about this a little bit last week, is that I released... Uh, a very winger Christmas as a free short story. The great team at Harmony Inc uh, helped me put together the ebook uh, really last minute I finished that story I think around November 5th with the draft and I got it edited and over to them and they were awesome and got it uh, through some extra editing and got it formatted into ebook uh, on Monday or Tuesday this weekend and I actually forget which day it was, I got it a wild hair to do an audiobook version of it. So I spent a couple days uh, recording the audio, reading it myself, and then uh, mastering it to get it ready to go out. Um, I've always had great respect for our friends who are audiobook <laughs> narrators. Oh my God, that's a lot of work. The story was about 11,000, I think it's around 11,500 words. It took me two hours to read it just to read it. And that was going back and for uh, lines that I didn't think I read well or that I stumbled over words or whatever, I went back and redid those. And then I spent probably between two and three hours edit, editing it and did... See, this would be one that I'd fixed that I had to go back in the audiobook, Editing it down and mastering it to release it. Tons of work. I see how... It's, it's different than doing this show, for sure, because we don't always enunciate correctly here. We don't always go back and fix mistakes like me stumbling over the word editing. Uh, it's only the bigger mistakes that we fix here, because we're conversational, and so you can get away with more. But I wanted the audiobook to be clean, and I get that. Um, so mad props to all the audiobook <laughs> narrators for doing what they do. And I wasn't even trying to act it. Um, I wasn't trying to do accents. I wasn't trying to differentiate the characters. It was just me, the author, reading the book and trying to put a little feeling in the right places and stuff. But uh, it was a great experiment. Uh, If you probably saw it uh, go into the podcast feed earlier this week because I used that to distribute it. I'm not trying to put it out on Audible or anything. Uh, But if you're interested in checking that out, I'll put some links in the show notes uh, and I'll even embed the audio into the show notes page so you can just listen to it from there if you want but there's an ebook and an audiobook out there if you would like to check out a very winger christmas in the hockey player's heart the feel good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will
0: Canaus hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury he never expects to run into his one time crush at a grade school fundraiser seeing Aaron Price hits him hard like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the schoolteacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the Hockey Player's Heart in ebook, paperback, or as an audiobook performed by me, Finn Sterling, wherever you buy books. Tis the season, and you know what that means. I've got Christmas books to talk about. Um, The very first one, (laughs) um, we've actually, Jeff and I read an awful lot this week, so we're going to try. It's kind of bonkers. We're going to get through these reviews uh, as quickly and efficiently as humanly possible. First up is His Christmas Sweater by new author C.M. Valancourt. Um, oh gosh, I love this book so much. All the Christmas feels. Um, uh, our first hero is Owen. He is a nice guy and he's uh, driving to Denver to, of course, you know, spend time with his family over the holidays. Uh, Unfortunately, a blizzard strands Owen and a lot of other people at this uh, roadside motel. Um, so picture if you this isn't like in a like particularly urban area or anything um they're basically all stranded in like it's like a wide spot in the road it's like there's <laughs> there's just there's just not a lot there um <laughs> jacob is the manager and front desk clerk of said motel um and in the blurb for the book he is uh described as a grinch um i think that's a little harsh um, he's really just grouchy about the holidays. Um, the, the truth is, is that I think he's sort of like an M M&M. and M. He's a little crunchy on the outside, but inside he's a total sweetheart. Anyway, so uh, Jacob is in uh, kind of a bad mood because he has to deal with all of these uh, stranded cu- customers who are, are pissed off that they're in this like motel in the middle of nowhere. Um, but Owen uh, decides that he's gonna be the guy who's gonna spread Christmas cheer. So he goes into the basement of the motel and pulls out like all the dusty ornaments and, and crap that they've got stored away and he festoons the lobby with like tinsel and trinkets and he makes it all uh, lovely and sparkly and, and wonderful. And at first, Jacob is sort of like, you know, what's this guy's deal? Uh, But of course, uh, since everyone is stranded together, they end up getting to know one another, uh, and he immediately uh, takes a liking to this, you know, uh, upbeat Christmas elf. Um, Owen also cooks a Christmas Eve feast for everyone in the hotel. Um, it, it, I don't think it like specifically states where he gets all of his magical <laughs> ingredients. I, I, imagine, I imagine like down the street, there's like a, a stop and go. So, um, <laughs> okay, <I> mean, <laughs> fair. <laughs> so to give you an idea of how uh, magically uh, in the spirit Owen is, he he like essentially goes to like a gas station. Um, convenience store and gathers up all the ingredients that he can and takes them back to the motel and and cooks in like the little backroom kitchenette that they have behind the, the front counter and he like makes cookies and food and uh gets everyone in the christmas spirit um what i thought now i usually don't do this but i thought this quote from the book was particularly apt So this is what Jacob has to say to Owen after um, they've cleaned up after all of the festivities. I mean, you just show up here one night with your dorky sweaters and your stupid gorgeous eyes, and you somehow manage to single-handedly transform every holiday traveler's worst nightmare, not to mention my personal circle of hell, into an honest-to-God Hallmark movie? Oh, and you happen to also be absurdly hot, kind of to a fault, and maybe the best kisser I've ever met. So that gives you an idea of of where the two of them are headed. So immediately after he says that, um, they finally hook up. Uh, there's been some, uh, unresolved, uh, uh, Christmas sexual tension going on between the two of them. And, uh, they, uh, finally sleep together. And it's of course wonderful. And on Christmas Eve, uh, the plows finally come through. So now with the road clear, Owen is free to leave. And, um, Jacob, unfortunately, reverts to his uh, grouchy self uh, (laughs) and is afraid to admit his true feelings. But Owen's not having any of that. He's like, no, (laughs) this has been a magical Christmas for me, and I'm sure it has been for you as well, and we're going to be spending a lot more time together in the future, which they do because this is a romance and there's a happily ever after. So I really, really enjoyed his Christmas sweater. Um, The title, of course, reversed refers to uh
1: owen's collection his
0: traveling collection he brings christmas sweaters along
1: with him it sounded like it from the quote and i can only imagine that he must have brought perhaps a suitcase full <laughs> and he forces owen to wear one at one point it's
0: very comical <laughs> so i highly recommend his christmas sweater by c.m valencourt uh, I, I recommend everyone check it out the second christmas book i want to Quickly speak about is a kiss before Christmas by A.E. Reichart. Now A.E. has been writing for quite a while, but this is the very first book that I have read by A.E. Reichart, and I am so very glad I did because I really, really enjoyed it. This is the story of Jack. He's sort of having a crap Christmas. Uh, things just aren't really going his way this year. And one evening after suffering through the office Christmas party, he comes home and there is a homeless kid sleeping on his doorstep. But before the kid can run away, he's like, well, hold on just a second. Why don't you come inside, have a cup of tea um, because it's like snowing out. And he's like, you know, come in, we'll wait out the weather and it'll be fine. So Rory, Uh, reluctantly uh, agrees to come inside Uh, he has a cup of tea, and uh, which leads to a sandwich and then a opportunity for him to take a shower and get cleaned up and eventually he finds a spot on uh, jack's sofa and he ends up spending the night Uh, now rory is a nice guy who through a series of genuinely unfortunate circumstances uh, finds himself homeless Uh, over the holidays. And of course, since this story takes place in London over the holidays, um, there are lots of British traditions and lots of British foods. Um, They talk about mince pies an awful lot in this book, (laughs) which got me hungry. And Jeff and I actually went to World Market and picked ourselves up some mince pies and tried them for the very first time. And yes, indeed, They are definitely yummy. They are so (laughs) yummy. There could be a second trip to World Market coming for more. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, as Jack and Rory are getting to know one another, Rory learns that Jack has placed himself in a rather uncomfortable predicament. Um, He's broken up with his boyfriend and has created a fake boyfriend. Um, in order to take some of the social pressure off of himself. Although, (laughs) uh, social pressure being what it is, uh, he's either got to put up or shut up. (laughs) Um, He's about to go to a holiday fundraiser at which his ex-boyfriend will be present. Uh Uh-oh. So, Rory volunteers to be said fake boyfriend. This, of course... um, Uh, fixes everything well almost everything for jack uh so they go on a christmas shopping spree cue shopping montage (laughs) so more holiday cheer uh and we um during a, a quiet moment in a coffee shop we actually learn rory's backstory and why he's on the street um and he is what's really nice about this book is uh jack and rory are two very nice guys and the the tension and the conflict in the story comes from the uh the essentially the inequality in their situations mm. um rory has literally nothing and jack has everything to offer him um and he, uh, they both have to be very careful um, while they're getting to know one another and become friends, uh, and are becoming interested in one another romantically. There's a a, a problem. They that they're Jack doesn't want uh, Rory to feel like there's some like some quid pro quo situation going on here. Mm. He's helping him out of the spirit of you know the holidays. Uh, and doesn't want him to feel like this fake boyfriend situation is uh, something that he has to do if he's uncomfortable with it. Um, Rory assures him that he's not. And he goes to the uh, holiday fundraiser. Um, things go incredibly well. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they make Jack's douchey ex-boyfriend super-duper jealous uh, so, yay, they win the day. Uh, the only problem is is that um, <laughs> Jack has also told his parents about this uh, new boyfriend and his life. So, Rory's going to have to accompany him uh, on a family uh, holiday.
1: Uh-oh. I see uh, trouble brewing there. So,
0: so, they get in the car, but the storm uh, gets uh, too bad and, and the, the, the car can't make the trip. Um, so they return home, and when they do, Rory overhears Jack talking to his mother on the phone. Uh, he, uh, Jack puts uh, his mom on speaker, and, and his mom is, of course, uh, worried in her mom-like way. Uh, and she's like, uh, it's just so bad you couldn't be here because we, we cleared out the stables and we, we got the, the West Wing all set up for your arrival. And Roy's like, what? <laughs> it turns out Jack is actually, uh, part of the gentry, part of the horsey set. Um... <laughs> the horsey set <laughs> um now i don't exactly understand the british social hierarchy but jack's family is a really big deal they own land and like half of the village that they were traveling to uh, this of, uh, of course sets up all sorts of alarm bells for poor rory um like like i mentioned before the like social inequality thing going on there so uh, So it becomes too overwhelming for Rory. It's like they're from two different worlds, and he decides to pack up his uh, meager belongings into his uh, backpack, and he goes out into the cold on Christmas Eve. Uh, thankfully, Jack wakes up in the middle of the night, realizes Rory is gone and follows his footsteps in the snow, uh, because, uh, the storm is getting worse and worse. Nobody else is out. Uh, so, uh, it's very easy to follow Rory's footprints, uh, and they become reunited and decide to spend the holiday together. So after that ridiculously rambling review, uh, I hope I was able to get across how much I really enjoyed Jack and Rory's story. And I highly recommend everyone uh, check out A Kiss Before
1: Christmas by A.E. Reichart. Now, we also joined up on a book this week. Uh, There was a quickie one-hour read, uh, courtesy of Audible, that we came across. Yes, we checked out Fred and Ginger, uh, a short story by Isabel
0: Starling. Uh, like, like I mentioned before, Isabel has also been writing for a very long time. Uh, and this is the very first book of hers that we have read uh it's a quick sexy christmas read mm-hmm. it's about chris he works at a bakery and he essentially has the holiday off when his boss calls him there's a emergency order uh, a famous celebrity has ordered some naughty cupcakes for a holiday party so chris has to go into
1: work to the bakery uh, and make some dick cupcakes <laughs> But he's excited because it is one of his favorite actors. <laughs> so it's not like he kind of begrudgingly went.
0: It's like... So he goes into work and makes like a couple dozen dick cupcakes. <laughs> and he's about to deliver them uh, when he gets run over by a super cute uh, Labrador puppy named Fred. Uh The cupcake boxes go flying. All of his work is ruined and he's super pissed off. Uh, Fred's super hot owner is Robin, a guy that uh, Chris hooked up with uh, a couple of months ago. And at first, Robin doesn't recognize Chris for, you know, reasons, And um, uh, because this is a cute holiday story, uh, Robin feels very, very bad about his adorable puppy ruining the cupcakes. so he uh, volunteers to help uh, uh, cook another batch. So uh, uh, Chris, being the slightly naughty guy that he is, uh, (laughs) insists that Robin um, help him bake these cupcakes uh, naked. Uh, with the exception of a leather apron. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> they become reacquainted while Robin is naked in a leather apron. <laughs> and uh, things get very heated in the back of the bake shop. Uh, so I highly recommend everyone check out Fred and Ginger. Uh, we listened to this book um There's an hour-long audiobook read by Gary Furlong. Now, Gary Furlong is one of our absolute favorite narrators. He's so dreamy, and the work that he does on this particular book is excellent. Super fun, super sexy. Yeah, I loved
1: it. It was just a nice little Christmas bobble, if you will. A A bobble? A bobble. You know, a a nice hour read. And a (laughs) moose-boosh. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And the thing... you really highlighted everything that's there. This couple is super cute. The setup is super adorable. Uh, I, As we listened to it, I really wanted the bake shop to be next door to the ice cream shop uh, that Claire London and Sue Brown have in their, in their shared universe. <laughs> Put those two things together because they're both kind of adult oriented and it would be we would never leave that place if it existed in reality mm-hmm. to go between the two of them. So yeah, definitely Fred and Ginger by Isabel Keating was was pretty darn it, awesome. Isabel Starling. Isabel Starling. Now, you also read some great holiday books as well. I did. I'm going to keep the bakery and holiday theme going because, you know, why not? Uh, with Ben's Bakery and the Hanukkah Miracle by Penelope James. Uh, you turned this book on to me because you found it and you said it's hockey. Of course I turned you on. Well, yes. (laughs) Continue. That's not podcast material now, is it? (laughs) No. Um, You said hockey and bakery and holiday, and I'm like, yes, let me go buy that right now. (laughs) This book is so adorable. Um, I'm usually a fairly slow print book reader uh, because that's my nighttime get ready for bed book. Uh, I stayed up late and ended up reading this at alternate times, too, because it was way too adorable. Uh, we've got Ben, who is a lonely former speed skater who runs a bakery in Boston. Um, he's offering Hanukkah treats this year. He really wants to take a moment out from trying to you know take care of everybody's Christmas uh uh, fruitcake orders and Santa cookie orders and, you know, ex- express, you know, the holiday that's important to him as a Jewish man. So he decorates the window for Hanukkah and he offers a week of Hanukkah treats. Uh, Boston is being visited by Adam, who uh, lives up in Montreal and coaches uh, the Wee set. He's got a, tw- a, a, a team of 12-year-olds who have made a tournament in Boston, so he's bringing them down uh, to the city, even though it means that he is away from home and away from his uh, slightly ailing father uh, for the holidays. And his father also happens to be a rabbi. So uh, there's been a lot of, he's grown up, you know, Jew, in a very Jewish household and celebrating Hanukkah each year. So being away uh, is kind of weighs on him a little bit. Uh, the cute meat between these two happens when uh, some of the boys from Adam's team comes into the bakery on their way to the rink, and they kind of need some breakfast and want some treats, and they're a little like not sure what these treats are in some cases because uh, one of the featured things is, uh, I believe it's pronounced uh, saphignoit. Apologies if I got that wrong, but it's it's a Jewish t- type donut that is usually filled with raspberry. Uh, mm. Yes, like a raspberry thing, and um, the boys aren't sure what to make of it, but it kind of you know. Ben sells them on the idea, but they've left their American money behind. And uh, Adam shows up in the midst of this whole thing of, like, they don't have money to pay, but they've already kind of eaten some stuff. And Ben's kind of like, it's okay, you know, the first donut is on the house for, you know, any international travelers kind of thing. And it turns into a whole cute meat, especially over the idea that Adam's not really sure about this lemon cream uh, pastry that he's created, because that's not quite uh, traditional. Anyway, Ben invites Adam back to the bakery that evening because he's getting some latkes done, uh, including some very non-traditional flavors like eggplant. Uh, eggplant. Yeah, exactly. You, you would not want that. Adam yeah. was not a big thrill of it either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> an eggplant. An eggplant latke. That's hard to say. Uh, was not exactly on anybody's wish list. Um, and this is the first point that we see a little a, the is, the bigger issue that will grow up between these two is that Adam's really judgy. There's no two ways about it. If it, he he has a very set idea mm-hmm. on how Hanukkah should play out and what it means to be a good Jewish person and following the religion accordingly, and he he really gets judgy on it. And it's it's I think I might have slapped him if I ever been occasionally because you know how everybody chooses to celebrate is kind of their thing. Um, but he's. I'm sure he's cute, so he let it slide. Uh, he let it slide for a while. The more it went, the harder it got to slide. Um, but eventually, those two do get past it, obviously, because it is romance. Uh, one of the more adorable things in this book is the hockey team. <laughs> These 12-year-old boys are really invested, for some reason, in their coach's love life. They are adorable. Imagine, you know, you always, in, the, in some of the Hallmark movies, you get the cute kid who... Mm. Kind of wants to bring them together. Imagine sixteen cute kids wanting to bring people together, and that's what this hockey team is. I don't think as a coach that this would, that the coach would allow this to go on, but within the realm of this story, it was so freaking cute. Uh, and there's an assistant coach who also um, kind of pokes that in the right direction because the assistant coach and Adam have been friends for like most of their entire lives, and so she could push him in ways that even the kids can't. Um, the other kind of element to this story is both men have, um, issues in their, in their sport lives. Um, Adam gave up hockey going towards the pros because of his father getting sick. And so he kind of held his career back and settled into this coaching role that he has in Montreal and not wanting to leave his dad and leave Montreal is a, is another kind of barrier to him wanting to start something with Ben. Uh, Ben, as I mentioned, is a former speed skater, he had a ridiculous accident, uh, as a speed skater when he was headed towards the Olympics. Um, we've all seen, if you watch speed skating, we've all seen those big pileups that can happen in short track. And, uh, Ben was under one of those and had his leg massively slashed, uh, to the point where he has a hard time even getting back on the ice to like do a general easygoing skate. Uh, but he gets, he helps The whole team helps Ben get back on the ice. Adam kind of helps it. Obviously, all this stuff wraps up in a pretty Hanukkah bow. Are there bows at Hanukkah? I don't know. A pretty Hanukkah gift, and the two end up together. Um, Like I said, I loved it. It was such a warm, easygoing read. I wish Adam had been slightly less judgy, but, you know, it all worked out in the end. Uh, I will say that I, I looked to Jay, who's one of our contributors from Joyfully Jay, to to see how she felt the book handled uh, the Judaism and the Hanukkah uh, elements. And uh, she said it did a really good job there. So I'm glad to see uh, Hanukkah represented well in a romance, because I know that's something that Jay looks for every year uh, as she looks through the Christmas books. So I was I was glad to see that. And I'll link to her review in the show notes as well, so you can catch up on that. But I highly recommend uh, Ben's Bakery and the Hanukkah Miracle by Penelope Peters. Sounds good. I, I was really happy
0: to uh, see this book come up in my uh, social media feed because there, uh, because while we are inundated with Christmas books, there are other holidays out there uh, at the end of the year. So I was really happy to see this Hanukkah story come out.
1: Yeah, I was too. Now, speaking of our contributors, we talked earlier about uh, Lisa and the novel approach. Uh, Lisa's been kind of. Uh, putting Gregory Ash on my radar for uh, about a year now uh, with his uh, Somerset and Hazard uh, series, Hazard and Somerset series rather. Uh, She was here just a couple weeks ago talking about the latest book in that series. And I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to like engage on this series. I need to check it out because I'm hearing all this stuff. Oh my God. Lisa did such a good job getting this book in front of me. I just, the book made me vibrate. It was so good. Um, think of how I get watching American Crime Story and how tense I get. Mm-hmm. I can see this being that type of show on FX that this story just rolls itself out, you know, week after week, and I just get more tense as it drives towards its conclusion. Um, in book one, the massive setup for the whole series, uh, Emery Hazard is moved back home to Wareda because he's lost his detective's job in St. Louis and he ends up with one of the guys who bullied him severely in high school, John Henry Somerset. hadred uh, has been hired in this town because there's been a series of LGBTQ hate crimes, graffiti, people getting hurt, getting beat up, and so they want a gay cop on the force to help kind of bring this to a close and find out what's happening. Uh, it's a particular concern for the local university because they want their students to feel safe on their diverse campus. Um, there's a lot going on in Wareda. We find out not only is, are there there these hate crimes, but there is a cell of, um, essentially, uh, really horrible, um, kind of militant, very right wing kind of bigots, kind of white supremacists, um, who live on the out, just on the outskirts of town who generally, you know, cause trouble all over the place for the police, um. And so that's kind of like the the real world kind of ripped from the headlines element in this story. And the twists and turns that Gregory puts into this, you think you know where it's going. And then it's like, oh, wait, there's another clue over here that's doing this and feeding into this. And I can't imagine like how he put all these things together and made it work so cohesively and so well and yet be so shocking at the same time. Um, and then there's like beyond the crime itself, you've got Hazard who has to work through his past with Somerset. Uh, Somerset was one of the, the trio of bullies who really ragged on him and several other, um, students at his high school. Um, Somerset pushed Hazard down the stairs in high school at one point, uh, and, and broke limbs. Um, and also that pack contributed to the suicide of a friend, so there's an extremely complicated past that has to get worked out across this book so that not only can they work together, but they can actually live in the same town together and kind of make peace with everything that happened. Um, plus, Hazard's got a boyfriend back in St. Louis who, who's a bit of a cheating dog, um, and he's got to kind of deal with that aspect of his life, too, and kind of put that to rest. Um, all of this gets wrapped up in an amazing package that's extremely readable and so accessible. And in kind of the same way I went gaga for Layla Rainey's um, romantic suspense, I am all over this. Um, Hazard and Somerset, I'm sure, must come together later. They they kind of dance around each other towards the end of the book with a little bit of attraction because there was some stuff that went on in high school. Um, So I'm interested to see how that evolves over the coming books in the series because, yes, I will definitely be coming back to these uh, because I need to see where this goes. Uh, I did do the audiobook, uh, which is from Tristan James, who actually does Layla Rainey's Irish and Whiskey uh, series and her Trouble Brewing series. And it's very clear that he excels at uh, romantic suspense because he is he's a perfect voice for this book. So I highly recommend Pretty Pretty Boys uh, by Gregory Ash and I'll certainly be revisiting that series very soon.
0: Now, if any of you are interested in the books we just mentioned, all you have to do is, number one, go to the show notes page of Big Gay Fiction Podcast. We have all the links and all the information right there at your fingertips. Um, if you choose to purchase those books through the links on our website, uh, we use affiliate links, so we'll get a little bit of money and uh, you can help support the show. Uh, there's also another way you can support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, and that is through our Patreon page. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast, you can find out the information there. Uh, how as, uh, as little as like a, the cost of a, a cup of coffee every month, uh, you can help support this show. Uh, you get some wonderful little extras, uh, things like getting the opportunity to ask upcoming authors questions. Um, Jeff is already planning January of next year. We've got some yep. great people coming up.
1: Yep, I just posted to the Patreon folks this past week about some folks that uh, they can ask some questions from. Uh, you also have the opportunity uh, to have us send a
0: thank you card to you. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just sent one to Australia. Uh, who did we send it to, do you remember?
1: Oh goodness, it's one of those four people that I mentioned this week. Thank you all, by the way. You. We it's rare to have four people sign up in a single week, so we're glad to have you on board. And that card is making its way to Australia (laughs) even now. (laughs) Uh, Also, you get a special bonus episode
0: every single month. Uh, If you are interested in checking about what we talk about on those bonus episodes or the back bonus episodes, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash You can learn more right there that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash big gay fiction podcast did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too taking a moment to leave a review about the big gay fiction podcast helps us with the show's visibility online please take a moment to visit itunes and leave a review your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Now, I've been reading books by author Sylvia Violet for a while now, Um, but it came as a surprise when I realized recently that we've never actually had her on the show. Uh, So we thankfully have rectified that problem. Yes. Uh, and we talked to her not too long ago, uh, primarily about the latest in her Love and Care series, Painfully Attractive, that just came out. Um, I think this, this was a lot of fun. We talked to her about a lot of different stuff, um, uh, including her upcoming Trillium Creek Impreg series, which I'm really looking forward
1: to. I think it's going to be awesome. Welcome, Sylvia. We're so glad you could come to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me here.
1: So this particular week, you are releasing a brand new book called mm-hmm. "Painfully Attractive." It's the fourth book in the Love and Care series. Yes, tell us all about it.
2: Okay, um, so I'll just start with the series in general. Um, so the Love and Care series starts with Father of the Groom, and I wrote that I was sort of in a bit of a writing funk, I'm not sure what to start next. And I wanted just to do something fun, no angst at all, not a heavy plot sort of book, just a fun, romantic, quick book. And I had never written anything with Daddy Kink before. And that was something I wanted to explore a little bit. So I wrote that book and was amazed by how well it was received. So Graham and Avery, the main characters there, needed... Um, a little bit more to their story, I felt like because that was just sort of a quick novella. And so I wrote a second book where they're the main characters again. That's called After the Weekend. And then um, book three and now book four deal with uh, side characters. Um, book three, Demanding Discipline, is Avery's roommate, Sean. That's his book. And then the fourth book, Painfully Attractive, is. Um, Graham from the first book's son and Graham's best friend so um, as you can see there's there's already some conflict set up there Um, so on top of the whole this is my best friend's son um, Leo is the owner of a couple of kink clubs and Graham goes to those clubs and knows the kind of things that Leo is interested in which include a lot of pain play So, you've got the added conflict of okay, he's dating my son. I know what he's interested in. I totally believe in no kink shaming, but this is my youngest son. So, um, Enron's 22. He's an adult. You know, he's uh, been on his own for a while, but obviously, this is going to be a little bit of um, a hard thing for Graham to deal with. And also for Leo, the friend, to sort of work through is this okay? Is it okay for me to be in this relationship? And Ren's, the, the son, is all for this relationship. And, hey, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. We can work this out. And so they have to get through all of that in this fourth book.
0: So. The, the first book, Father of the Groom, came out in June, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. That now, is correct. Right. And now here we are six months later with the fourth book. Yes. Um, what is it about this series that has sort of captured the interest of your readers, do you think?
2: I think um I think the daddy kink aspect, I think that's just happens to be a hot trope right now. Um so I think that kind of pulled in a lot of readers and that is there in in books 1 and 2 a little less of an emphasis in book three, but still there, and won't really be there in book four, though there is still this age gap and father's best friend, which sort of plays into some of that ideology. Um, I think that's one thing it just happened to be to hit when that trope seemed to be something people were looking for. Um, And then I also just think um, these characters seem to just really speak to my readers. I think they really have enjoyed. I've written a lot of age gap stories, and so I think my readers look to me for that. and um, just this particular mix of characters seems to be seems to be good for them. Um, some uh, younger characters who, um, you know, are just a little bit, Um, I guess they're, they're a little more on the kind of bratty twink side. Um, And then my older, uh, more experienced characters that sort of that contrast seems to have been something people have enjoyed in this series.
0: And not only your readers have enjoyed it, I think obviously that you've enjoyed writing them. I, think I
2: have. I to, have. To, to go
0: from a book that was just sort of supposed to be like fun and, a, 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 you know, you wrote it real quick to turn into this like full-fledged series is kind of amazing. Do, yeah. Uh, how, <laughs> how has that thrown off your writing schedule for the year or, or what has this series meant to you in, in 2018?
2: It's it's actually been really good. It's been it's sort of reinvigorated my uh, drive, my creativity. Um, So it's been a really great thing. I um, like I said, when I wrote Father the Groom, I sort of was in a place where I wasn't sure where to go next. I had a few ideas I was playing around with, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. So I didn't have a lot of things scheduled out. Um, So it worked really well that this was something I then wanted to extend Um, and it's definitely, it has been a lot of fun. Um, and I've met a lot of new readers through it and that's been great, um, for me as a writer to get that positive feedback and feel like, okay, this is something readers want. It's something I'm enjoying. So it's really perfect.
1: What did you have to do (laughs) to get ready to write Daddy Kink? Was, Was there research involved or how did you go about getting the knowledge to portray that well?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I did do I did do some research, Um, definitely uh, reading some blogs, some sites about uh, how to handle daddy kink in a way that's consensual, that is, um, you know, something that's happening between adults who are interested in this dynamic and this type of relationship. Um, I think anytime I'm, I'm writing different kinks for book three, um, I included pony play, which is not something I've written before. Um, and so again, I did, um, a lot of research. I, uh, there are a number of, um, BDSM sites where the focus is teaching safety consent, how to do this in, um, a way that's, that's safe and enjoyable for both, partners involved or however many partners are involved um, and I definitely like to check out those resources and make sure it's um, I have um, a bit more authenticity in that dynamic.
0: Now you've written an awful lot in a lot of different subgenres. <laughs> when was your yes. first book published?
2: Um, my first book was published in 2004, um, and uh, initially I was writing um, M.F. and then M.M.F., and I started writing M.M. in 2011. What,
0: what made you, um, what? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this, what, <laughs> what, what made you go all the way and uh, decide to do uh, a gay romance?
2: Well, I, um, I had enjoyed a lot doing MMF menage, so bisexual Mm -hmm. menage. Um, and I also really enjoyed writing from a male point of view. I often found the, um, those chapters that I did from the male characters point of view actually flowed easier and were easier for me to write. Um, and so I was working on a multi author series with changeling press in 2010. And I had written one book in that series. And um, I had a side character in that book who was gay. And I decided to go ahead and write his story. And that is um, sex on the hoof is the name of that book. I've since republished that with a different series title, just my own titles from it. And so I really enjoyed it. And at that time, it wasn't, I didn't set out with the idea, okay, I am now going to exclusively write, um, MM or gay romance and, but I enjoyed it. I wrote another one. I wrote another one. It resonated with my readers. Things took off for me and that's where I've landed where I stayed.
1: That's a great origin story. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Who are some <laughs> of your author inspirations?
2: Um, let's see, author inspirations. Um, early on in terms of making me want to be a writer, um, Jane Austen. I fell in love with Jane Austen in high school. Uh, Mr. Darcy is still my number one book boyfriend. Um, and um, Mary Jo Putney. She's an MF, uh, author of MF Historical Romance. Um, Her books just were some of my very favorites when I first started reading romance in my late teens. And um, she was one of the writers that definitely made me think, hey, I would really like to do this. Um, And then in terms of um, kind of later on um, inspirations for M.M., T.J. Clune's writing I love. Um, he's just amazing. And, uh, you know, whenever he's an author that I read and think, Oh, I wish I could write a book that was this good. Um, and so, uh, definitely one of my MM inspirations there. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And any favorite MM books that you want to shout out?
2: Um, let's see. So, um, TJ's The Lightning Star Card and the rest of that series, Tales from Verena, definitely a favorite. I return to a lot. Um, Josh Lanyon's Adrian English series, definitely a big reread, re-listen, uh, for me. Um, some more recent favorites, um, Clutch and Bond from the Forbidden Desire series by Piper Scott and Virginia Kelly also known as Lynn Van Dorn. Um, It's a dragon Impregnated with eggs series. It's just really fun and original, and I love it. And um, Lily Morton's Mixed Messages series, great snark fun characters. Um, So those are some of my recent favorites.
0: This past October, you released an audiobook of um, one of your standalones, A Chance at Love. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was read and narrated by uh, one of our personal favorites, Mr. Derek McLean. Mm-hmm. He is the voice of the podcast, and I really enjoyed this book a lot. Um, I wanted Thank to you. ask you, as sort of a, as an independent author who self-publishes, mm-hmm. what what goes into the decision to um, do an audiobook? Because for those okay. of you who are listening, um, it can be a rather time-consuming and expensive progress when um, yeah. you're doing an audiobook essentially by yourself. So I was wondering mm-hmm. what went into the decision, um, especially to do this particular book.
2: Okay. Um, so definitely, you know, part of the decision is is budget, um, you know, in terms of how many audios in a year. I did a whole lot of audios in 2017, so I haven't done very many in 2018, just balancing where budget goes. Um, but I think in terms of which books... Um, sometimes often it's just a decision of of sales. If a book sales really well, then I will um, you know, feel like we'll definitely an audio for that. Seems like it would be the right thing to do. And sometimes it's a, this book is special to me. It's a favorite, and I wanna have an audio version because I do a little more self indulgent motivation. Um, a chance at love, part of that came out of um a vacation to San Diego that I took with my family, my husband and my two daughters. And in fact, the starting scene where one of the characters brings a giant container of cheese balls onto a plane and sits in first class and eats them, um, what came from a silly conversation I had with my 11-year-old. So it's sort of a special book to me and one I really wanted to have an audio. And um, I loved working with Derek. He's really awesome. I love his narration.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy this book a lot. Yeah, he's very much one of our favorites, too. I don't think he's ever done something I didn't want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now,
0: also this past October, you took part in a um, multi-author promotion that had happened mm-hmm. during Halloween. And you released a, a short story called Love at Lupine Bakery. Yeah. Now, I downloaded this story and I read it and I lost my mind it was so good <laughs> oh, i loved it thank to you. pieces thank you. tell us a little bit about lupine bakery and some okay. uh I, I from what i understand uh mm-hmm. this is going to be the jumping off point for a new series for you
2: that's right that is right it is um it is I wrote it as a prequel to a series that will be called Trillium Creek, um, which will be a shifter impreg series. Um, this will be the first time I've written any impreg. I always like to try new things, shake things up. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting further into this series. I'm hoping to release the first book in it at the very end of December, um, but it might end up being in January. Um, so this, This world that the story is set in. In this world, um, they're humans and they're shifters, wolf shifters in particular in this story. Um, And the in the in the wolf shifter population, they have alphas, betas, and omegas. In that sort of the standard trope of an alpha, beta, omega, omegaverse world, Um, but they do not in the human population. Um, But what comes up in this story and will in the later books is that there are people who seem to be human as far as going around in their daily life. They don't show any shifter characteristics, but they are um, people who have some wolf shifter somewhere in their ancestry, whether it's a parent or a grandparent. So their genetic makeup is a mix of shifters and humans. And as the shifter population begins to learn Those shifter characteristics can actually be brought out in people who seem human, but have some shifter genetics um, if they meet someone who is their fated mate. So this is a world where there are fated mates um, for the shifter population. Um, And that's sort of the dynamic that's being worked through in Love at Lupine Bakery. Um, Finn, who's an omega wolf, uh, runs Lupine Bakery. Um, so there's lots of scenes with yummy cookies and molten chocolate cakes and stuff. I love putting food in my books. Um, and um, and he feels this very strong attraction to a man who, as far as he knows, is human. Um, and then as they spend more time around each other. Things start to come up where you realize, wait, he's acting more like a shifter instead of a human so um it's a little bit of where that's going the first book will um one of the characters will be the pack alpha whose name is silas and he comes up a little bit in love at lupine bakery
0: what i enjoyed about love at lupine bakery is that um in a relatively short word count you managed to um kind of establish and explain a lot of world building without being like um like i i'm personally not a fan of world building in fact i hate Mm -hmm. it an awful lot that is very uh very true Uh (laughs) i think what you manage to do through through characterization and, and situations that uh each of the characters face you establish the uh um, the plot points in the, the world that these shifters live in. And I also found it really fun and interesting how you sort of flipped the alpha traditional alpha trope on its head in this particular mm-hmm. story. He sort mm-hmm. of uh, um, how should we describe it? Maybe sort of reluctant alpha first time alpha. Yeah, he doesn't quite yeah. get what's going on. Uh, I That's thought that right. was really interesting
2: and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I I had a lot of fun uh, with it and and creating the world. And I'm glad that it it works for you without there being too much focus on the world building and enough focus on the story.
0: Now, you've done a Shifter series before.
2: Mm -hmm, I have.
0: This time out, what made you decide to... um... Uh, try impreg, other than it's obviously very popular with readers. What what mm-hmm. made you uh, decide to give this a try?
2: I had, well, I had been wanting to uh, do another Shifter series because it had been quite a while since mm-hmm. I'd written one and that's something I really enjoy. And I actually, it was really just this year that I started reading impreg and I've read several series that I've really enjoyed. Um, so I think just Finding that I actually really like this subgenre um, made me want to try it out. As I um, did another shifter series, so just basically a love of the genre myself. Nice.
1: You keep diversifying a lot. Mm-hmm. You 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 did the the Daddy Kink earlier. You're coming to Impreg mm-hmm. this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What keeps you moving around?
2: Um, I think for me, I would. Um, just get too bored by by if i try to do the same type of book again and again um i just lose some of that creative motivation i need trying new things um new subgenres new tropes or kinks or whatever um just to keep me creatively motivated um and uh that sometimes is a little hard because it makes it a bit harder to have a a steady brand as an author. Um but I think for me um all my books are going to have a high erotic content um and a similar voice even as they shift from um you know a shifter book, a contemporary book, impreg, I've done historical. Um I feel like there's a there's enough of a unified voice there and I need that flexibility to keep wanting to be creative and having the motivation to keep, keep writing.
1: And we should mention, I mean, it's December, it's the holiday time. And and mm-hmm. while you don't have a holiday book this year, mm-hmm. will certainly delighted in last year's holiday offering. <laughs> uh-huh,
0: uh-huh.
2: So for those
1: looking for a holiday read, tell us what you've got in the, in the holiday genre.
2: Okay. Um, well, last year's release um, is called three under the Christmas tree. And it is an MMM, um Christmas novella, uh, an established couple um who occasionally um will have a third partner. Um that's something that you know has been has been part of their relationship. Um they decide that they want to um to hook up with a third and it ends up being more than just a hookup um and and then develops into a relationship. Um, right around the holidays with a, a Christmas party being sort of a pinnacle moment in the story. Uh, and then I also have um, Needing a Little Christmas, which is from a number of years ago, but the audio is more recent. Sean Crisden uh, recorded that. And so that's a um, audio option. And it is whisper synced if you have the, um, the ebook version um, at Amazon. And then I have two other Christmas stories. One is Holly Jolly, and it's a um, a short story um, with two college students, and there's some sweet ice skating moments involved in that. Even though it's set in Baton Rouge, um, there they do they do have they do have ice skating in downtown Baton Rouge. I went to uh, grad school at LSU, so um, I've I've done it actually. I've skated there. Um, strange as that sounds. And then my other one is Wild R. Christmas, which is the seventh book in my shifter series, Wild R. Farm, um, where you sort of get to see a lot of different characters come together there at a Christmas for a Christmas celebration.
1: Now, of course, we've talked about uh, Painfully Attractive coming in December. You've also got this Impreg series coming right up here as we close out the year. Mm-hmm. What else is coming uh, in your future here that we can talk about?
2: Sure. Um, so there'll be um at least two more books in the impreg series at least a book two and a book three um coming up as well one of those will be mmm um and so that's coming and then also in 2019 i'm going to be working on a contemporary series set in a small town in wyoming Uh, there'll be some cattle ranchers um some small town store owners um an elementary school teacher, um, lots of, of small town Western romance. Um, it's, I actually, the first book is finished. Um, and I had submitted it, um, to some publishers, but I've ultimately decided that self-publishing is what I want to do with it. Um, so I'll be developing the rest of that series and getting that out. I, um, some of my readers may remember, me talking about the book that's more erotic than it was meant to be, um, on, on social media. That's, that's this book, uh, which I was going for a bit of a Western romance category romance, uh, sort of feel, but, um, it's as my voice usually tends to be, um, a little more erotic than what you would get in a Harlequin category. Um, and, um, and of course it's, um, you know, um, gay and bisexual characters as well. So.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, all of that. Small town <laughs> and <you>. cowboys,
1: <laughs> give me more. I, ugh, right. That sounds amazing. <laughs> all right. So where can people keep up with you online to to follow along as all this comes out next year?
2: So um, I am on Facebook and Instagram most, more than, than anywhere else. Um, I have a Facebook group called Sylvia's Salon. And I share teasers and ask readers questions like help me name some secondary characters and stuff like that there. So that's a fun place to be. Um, I do have a Twitter and a Pinterest account um, if you're there and you want to follow me there. And then sylviaviolet.com is my website. You can sign up for my newsletter there and read excerpts from all my books.
1: All right. Fantastic. Well, Sylvia, thank you so much for spending some time with us. So we look forward to seeing Painfully
2: Attractive. Great. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks again to Sylvia for joining us. It was awesome talking to her. A reminder that Painfully Attractive will release this Friday, December 7th. It goes on pre-order Monday, December 3rd. So we'll add that link to the show notes page as soon as we can get our hands on it. All right, everybody. I think that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, Coming up next
0: week in episode 166, J.P. Barnaby is coming out of retirement and
1: is back with us to talk about her newest release, Saving Hannah. It's so great talking to JP. We've had this interview in the can for a while as we talked to her back in September while we were at the DreamSpinner conference. And I'm so glad to see that she's back with a new book. Oh yeah, it's going to be good. So
0: everyone, please tune in for that. Everyone remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to biggayfictionpodcast.com New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.